Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, we're going to be talking about the recently released on uh, Blu-ray and DVD Hercules movie with Dwayne Johnson. We got the 3D version. Now, this is a movie we tried to go see the premiere of or the preview of over at Comic-Con. And we were so close to getting in, but they just ran out of seats, which, you know, pros and cons of those things. They give out so many more tickets than they have seats in the theater to make sure it's full. Yeah, well, and that's the right thing to do because Comic-Con is where they want to get as many people into those things. They're not going to leave an empty seat in the house. Exactly. And nor should they. Yeah, totally. So it was disappointing we couldn't get to go uh, see it at that point uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I was curious about it. Uh, two, I, I think Dwayne Johnson's interesting in movies. Not going to say he's the world's best actor, but he picks roles that are appropriate for him, and this was one of those. Yeah, and really, I I kind of feel like he gets a bad rap as an actor. I think people saw him in that very first appearance he did where he hadn't gotten a lot of acting training and he really was just popping up out of the sand doing a wrestler pose and they say, see, he can't act. And they haven't looked at the films he's done since then. It was Scorpion King? Yes. That's what it was, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's gone into the Fast and the Furious movies and other things. Uh, G.I. Joe, I believe. He was in uh, Roadblock and that did a great job. Yeah. And, you know, he's really revealed he's got a sense of humor and he's getting meteor roles. This was actually, I'd say, one of the less meteor acting roles I've seen him do in the past few movies I've watched him in. Now, the other thing that's interesting about this movie, going towards the story and stuff like that, is this was based on the five-issue limited series that was one of the first two things to come out from Radical Comics back in 2008. There was uh, Hercules, The Threshing Wars, and uh, Caliber, I forget what the subtitle of that one was. That was a uh, five-issue series, a miniseries that was essentially a retelling of the King Arthur Excalibur stuff mm-hmm. as a Western. Oh, interesting. Caliber is in Caliber of Begun. And frankly, I, I'd really like to see that made into a movie. And they've been talking about doing Hercules based on that comic um, really since 2008, I believe. I mean, Radical made no bones about it that they were doing not only great comics, but wanted to take those great comics and then turn them into other things like movies and whatnot. And Radical, which really I don't think has come out with anything in in far too long, did a great job of essentially doing a movie on paper. They did square-bound books predominantly, uh, high uh, production values. The art was phenomenal, fairly, I don't say photorealistic, but had that sense of dimensionality to it and depth and substance to where it looked more like a movie than, say, a comic strip or or a Mm -hmm. cartoon kind of a thing. And there were a lot of, I mean, a lot of aspects of this story, I think, were were very true to that comic. Haven't read it since it first came out in 2008. I don't think I've reread it since. Certainly not just before watching this, and I probably should have. It just didn't have the time. Um, that and it would take me a little bit to go dig out where those particular issues are. But him having, Hercules having the uh, 
cast of characters around him, his team, if you will. Well, and Very I, much from the comic. Yeah, I really liked that ensemble approach to Hercules. And, I mean, this movie did start with a, let's give you a little recap. Let's acknowledge he was born. Let's acknowledge he had the 12 labors. Let's kind of bring you up to speed with where we're going to throw you into his life. You know, but he'd clearly been with this ensemble of characters for quite a while. Mm -hmm. They knew each other. They worked well together. There were aspects of the the fight choreography, uh, the way they did the uh, the the wall uh, with the flanks and so forth, with the shields and all that. Um, that they did very effectively here. That some of it with the comic, and eh, not so much. I think. Granted, again, eight, but us. Uh, Six years back that I read the comic, 2008. Um, but it was one of those things that they... This really showed just the the epic scale that both a movie and a comic are capable of. Um, and really, this took pretty good advantage of you know modern-day effects. We saw it in the 3D, and I didn't really feel it, it used the 3D as much as it could have. Well, and that's both a good and a bad thing. Maybe we are slow down a tiny bit, and... Say that I talked you into a double feature today. That's that's true. We we've not only just watched Hercules with Dwayne Johnson, but also prior to that, The Legend of Hercules with Kellen Lutz. Yes. This is the movie that was the movie that came out what two years ago? I believe so, yeah. Pick that up also on Blu-ray three D. And it's interesting because Hercules is is a staple of of obviously mythology, but also of comics and, and pop culture. He's kind of the, I don't want to say the predecessor to Superman. Well, we were talking at lunch when I kind of talked you into this double feature about how when we were kids, we would watch on TV the uh, movies that Steve Reeves had done back in the late 50s and 60s that were the Hercules films. And Steve Reeves was a former Mr. Universe who was the very, I want to say, hulked out, which... In the bodybuilder type. Yeah. You know, and I I have such vivid memories of one of the movies where he's with all the other guys on one side of the ship rowing, and then they kind of do a montage of fast forward through time, and suddenly he's the one guy on that side rowing opposite all the other guys because he's gotten so strong from all his time rowing. Well, it's funny because that's like one of the few scenes I really remember from those movies. I remember more the the Tarzan films of the era and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But with with the character, it's it's interesting. He's typically that really overmuscular mm -hmm. kind of a guy, and to a degree, I mean, uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson, not a small guy, not scrawny. No. Very much, you know, uh, the muscle man here. Whereas, again, Kevin Lutz in the previous one was... Kellen. Hmm? Kellen, not Kellen Lutz. Lutz, sorry. Far. I will I will get names wrong. I'm doing this from memory. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. I didn't recognize many of the cast members in that film, whereas a lot of the ones in the, the Dwayne Johnson one I, I recognized. Yeah. And both were really good casts. They were. And, you know, I had heard less good things about the one from two years ago with Kellen Lutz. And I really felt that movie stood up quite well as a sword and sandals mm -hmm. movie. I mean, it's not what I think of as the mythology of Hercules. 
No, I think they took some definite uh, liberties with that. Everything from his birth being essentially blessed by... Blessed um, by Hera, Hera in the Kellen Lutz version, whereas in the one with Dwayne Johnson, they were very clear on the, no, Hera is mad, and even if you name the child for Hera, she's still going to be mad. Well, with the the Hercules film with uh, Dwayne Johnson, again, based on the Radical comic, they played a little fast and loose, do the gods exist, do they not, and play up the mythology even within the story with his nephew being the storyteller Mm -hmm. and very much playing well it scares the enemies of course we're going to play it up it scares the enemies and it inspires the followers they did some great stuff with that when they were bringing out the armor Mm -hmm. and the nephew was basically praising it as if it's this miracle stuff Yes. And laying it on a little thick, but but kind of believably so, and getting heckled a little from one or two of the generals. And, and he's basically got some, uh, in some cases, better comebacks than others. Well, there's also a point in one of the fight scenes where Hercules is about to basically go throw his first punch of the major battle, and the nephew realizes that he's surrounded by a lot of guys who are scared to death mm-hmm. of being in their first battle. And he says, and the mighty Hercules can fell an enemy with a single blow. And I'm not sure the nephew realizes that he's got an arrowhead tucked in his fist. I think he did, and I think he was covering for that. Yeah. Because what we had just seen, and I was a little puzzled by it, is Hercules has gone up to uh, one of his his cohorts, the Amazon warrior with her, her, her bow and arrow, has grabbed the front of her arrow, snapped off the arrowhead, mm-hmm. and kind of palmed it, mm-hmm. and then has it kind of sticking out as, it's not like brass knuckles or whatever, but a, a deadlier version, I guess. And I'm trying to remember if that was in the comic or not. I don't recall that specific part, but going back to the nephew talking and and Mm -hmm. inspiring the troops, there was another point where he was starting to do that, and the king basically asked, shut up, kid. Yeah. And that was around the point at which the king stopped being, I want to say, on our side, if you will. Yeah. But that was the turning point for that character, and he was played by John Hurt, who did a wonderful job as, as this character. Sci-fi fans may know him as the the war doctor from Doctor Who, who was kind of between the eighth and ninth doctors Mm. in Mm -hmm. the 50th anniversary special, and he did a great job there. Well, and Rufus Sewell, who we've been seeing in things since A Knight's Tale. Yeah, he was in A Knight's Tale. He was in the American version of Eleventh Hour. Yes. He's done a a few other things. Very talented actor. Mm -hmm. Excellent role for him. He fit it perfectly. Oh, he did. He he had some really charming and charismatic points in the film where I just wanted to laugh because of the delivery of the line, even if it wasn't meant to be Mm -hmm. a humorous point, because he just nailed it. It was one of those things where... A lot of things could have gone wrong in this film that Mm. would have taken it from really fun to, geez, wow, what a train wreck. And none of them happened. They had a really good cast. Yeah. They had good effects, good costuming. Mm -hmm. Uh, The sets were phenomenal. You know, it it felt like a, 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 I don't want to say a period piece, but a, there was a period in Hollywood films, uh, movie films and stuff, where, and I'm thinking it was around the 50s, they would do these lavish production mm. numbers, the Ben-Hur yeah. era of film. And 
we don't have movies by and large these days where they get the cast of zillions, the the epic sets and all this. They do it all in, 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 in the computer these days. And I'm sure this was done heavily that way, but it had that feel mm-hmm. of grandeur, of of epic scale, of huge armies. Yeah. And it was just very well done from a, a technical level. And the story held through the entire time. Well, and I really liked that Hercules was, I want to say the way I think of Hercules being, he was the very moral, good-hearted, when he realized he had been duped into not standing with those on the side of right and fighting for the people because he thought he had been hired, albeit as a mercenary, to fight for the people of Thrace. Mm -hmm. And he'd been paid and told, see, you did what I wanted, even if it wasn't what you thought you were doing, so go away. He realized he'd essentially fought on the wrong side. He said, well, they, they paid us to save the people of Thrace, so let's save the people, you know, and that's how I think of Hercules. And in the Kevin Sorbo TV show, Hercules, which I enjoyed mm-hmm. frequently, there were times where they would politically correctify some of the myths and legends of Hercules. And to a point where I'm like, wait a second, I know that myth or that legend. And you're taking a story where Albeit I'm not overly fond of the idea of Hercules was told you have to sleep with all 50 of my daughters in one night and get all of them pregnant, but he did it, and you're turning it into 50 daughters spend the episode chasing him around the countryside trying to get to sleep with him, and at the end he says, hang on, have more respect for yourselves, women. You may know the mythology well enough to to be horribly offended by the the political correctness of of that change but i think the average uh person frankly doesn't and i get that it was just in this there was nothing that jarred me and threw me out with a but that's not what hercules would do i'd say in both of these movies i felt that hercules was true to character there was something in each movie that I felt was a little, I don't say off, but but I felt was an interesting choice that kind of ran counter to what okay. I felt should have been done. In Hercules with, uh, with Dwayne Johnson, the fact he was a mercenary, he was literally doing it for the money. And the aspect of almost an implied knowing dishonesty about his reputation, it was a team effort, but he got all the credit. Both made perfect sense in the story. They mm-hmm. fit perfectly in the story. It set the story up that they were telling and provided almost a redemption of him when he had that turn of, I'm going to save these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was something that my envisioning of the classic Hercules, not a mercenary, okay. and really did his own stuff. In The Legend of Hercules from, from a few years ago, uh, that version the big change they made that I thought put a very different spin on things was Hera essentially, not essentially, blatantly setting Zeus up with the queen, blessing and, you know, the, the whole union and, and the birth of Hercules, taking that whole Hera doesn't like him and he's at almost at war with her See, and out of the equation. For me, that was a non-issue because that entire movie took place before the Twelve Labors cut off before it, 
and didn't go into the Hercules and Hera at War period. I guess for me, that first movie precluded the need for the Twelve Labors, which was to get peace between Hercules and Hera. See, for me, there were so many petty little things that could cause a war between a god okay, or goddess okay. and a mere mortal that, you know, anything could have triggered Hera demanding the Twelve Labors. I felt the Hercules in Legend of Hercules was inherently more heroic. I can see that. Whereas the, the Dwayne Johnson version was more... I'm trying to think how to phrase it. Well, by pulling the religion of the time out of it, they almost had to take the mercenary approach, which I kind of get. He was fighting to survive. It was his only skill. Yeah. Well, and it set up the the team of characters around him that had each come from a different city, mm-hmm. a different story, a different labor, if you will. Mm-hmm. And you're right. This is a later-in-life Hercules mm-hmm. that, in and of itself, I mean, that's that, that set things up differently. Well, and I'll admit, throughout the Kellen Lutz one, I kept racking my brain and thinking, okay, that's it. After this, I'm going to have to hit Wikipedia or something because I'm just sure I remember Hercules had a wife and kids and there was a tragedy. And, and we certainly got that with the, the, yeah. the Hercules movie with Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. And I know that was in the Kevin Sorbo series that I watched on and off. And we talked at lunch about the fact that the ancient Greeks didn't understand twins and how people could have a multiple birth. And I mean, slightly different, but the ancient Romans actually had a saying that when a woman had a son who looked exactly like the father or the husband, that was a blessing. Mm -hmm. When she had a son who looked just like her, well, that was acceptable. Because you didn't know at that point who the father really was, and therefore... Yeah. Wow, what a suspicious society back then. Yeah, but I mean, in the age before DNA testing, but you know, when you... You can just look and tell. Yeah, when you have a son that doesn't look like either parent, Yeah. all paternity comes into question. You know, but for the ancient Greeks, because they didn't understand how twins happened, their belief was that the first twin born, so the first one to come out, was the one of the father, the husband. Mm-hmm. The second one was the child of a god. Because how else could it have been too? Yeah. You know, that's the only way they could imagine or conceive of two children happening. Sorry. No pun intended. I sure. I uh-huh. I apologize. You know, but I always thought also that it was really funny that they didn't look at the children. It was the birth order that determined it. Hmm. Well, and that's my memory and my understanding. I could be wrong, but, you know, but so I recall Hercules being a twin that or Heracles, but is an aspect of the mythology, but not one that really, I mean, until I, I skimmed Wikipedia this morning, not one that I had recalled. Yeah. I mean, most of my knowledge of Hercules is more from the occasional appearances in like Wonder Woman or something or the, the Marvel version, which is a member of the Avengers. You know, I'm, I'm, and I took a mythology course in college too. None of that stuck. Um, it's one of those things that everybody knows of Hercules in the, the abstract, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he's strong, son of Zeus, demigod, 
Greek or Roman, maybe, you know, and yeah. beyond that, it gets, you know, fuzzy. Yeah. Well, and the fact that so many of the gods, the goddesses, etc., and characters like Hercules have both a Greek and a Roman name. Yeah, that, that adds to certainly my confusion. Yeah. But, I mean, if you were to ask the average person, tell me something of, of the mythology of Hercules, could they name the labors of Hercules? Could they tell you how many there were? Could they tell you what they were? Yeah. And I certainly wouldn't go, well, could they do it in order? It's like, hell, even the mythology can't get it consistent in order. Yeah. Which is fine. You know, these stories were oral traditions told over generations. They changed. And here we are thousands of years later. The fact that we know them at all is yes. astounding. Yeah. And the fact that they have such resonance is is particularly impressive. Well, and part of why I wanted to watch the movies is, I mean, like I said, you know, we grew up watching the old Sand and Sandals movies and just, in, you know, there's a nostalgia aspect to it. I like the genre. I think there's something more to that. I think the genre's had a definite resurgence over the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. We've had two movies for 300. Mm-hmm. There's Troy. There's uh, Gladiator. Gladiator. Well, and that's what I was going to mention is, especially in the Kellen Lutz one, there were one or two scenes that just reminded me the way people were standing, the things people were doing. It was almost a, hey, I kind of remember that scene being reminiscent of something in Troy. And um, the opening of, of, of The Legend of Hercules, where. They they had the the ships were going down and, and looking at the battle or whatever reminded me of of three hundred or actually I guess the the sequel to it yeah with with Xerxes and stuff there's an aspect of uh, the the ancient Greco Roman culture the the shields the the swords the mm-hmm. spears that is iconic yes it's incredibly uh, uh, cinematic yes it lends itself to a certain amount of drama a certain uh, uh, kind of speech and pontification or or, or oration of, of rallying the troops and such mm-hmm. that's hard to get away with in other settings. Well, and the Kellen Lutz uh, Hercules did a really good job with the uh, gladiatorial scenes, a la Gladiator. Mm-hmm. And there were parts with that, and they had uh, Liam McIntyre, I want to say, from Spartacus, mm-hmm. was... Uh, I'm going to get the character name wrong, but was his second, if you will. He was the captain he yes. was originally sent to war with? Yes. Yeah, okay. The guy did a phenomenal job in that movie. Yeah, yeah. He did, and it was a really great character for a lot of reasons. And one of the comments that you made when I had commented to you of I just really loved the relationship they set up between him and Satyrus uh, Hercules and Satyrus was you. You looked at me and you just said, "Yeah, that's a relationship his brother could have had with him." Well, yeah, because in that movie, the whole thing was around Hercules having been essentially disowned by his father, the king, his his brother, half brother, um, and just the the whole animosity there. Mm-hmm. The father literally sent him off to war to go die. Yeah, to the point of basically taking only half the troops that should have gone. And that that whole thing was around him, Hercules reclaiming uh, his birthright, both in terms of the mortal one and the, the demigod one. Mm-hmm. Whereas the whole story in, in the Hercules film with Dwayne Johnson was he has long since established himself. He is just going off on, on an almost random 
uh, a mercenary mission. He's saving up for retirement. Yeah. He is collecting his final few paychecks to go retire near a beach on the sea with one or two buddies with PTSD who aren't fit for civilized Mm -hmm. life. And it's a very different position in life than 20-year-old Hercules, who is just coming to understand why daddy always hated him and said, you will never be my true heir or equal to your older brother. With with the Dwayne Johnson film, the only even hint that he may have had a brother is the nephew. And even that's just he's an arbitrary nephew. He's an arbitrary nephew who has his same blood running through him. Hence, it was from a brother that... Or sister. I mean... Mm, Fair enough, fair enough. You know, all we know is it's from a sibling. And that, yeah, they never address it. It's interesting because... And we're told he uh, was an orphan on the streets of Athens at one point. That's how he knew uh, Rufus Sewell's character. Which really begs the question of if he was the orphan on the streets of Athens... How did he have a sibling at that point? Not that he couldn't have, but it... Yeah, it, it was very interesting. But that also leads towards, you know, again, we don't know whose parent, which parent of the nephew mm-hmm. related him or, or how that all worked. Just that he is a blood relation. Mm-hmm. Now, Radical later did another five-issue series. I think it was The Knives of Kush or something like that. I, I have to go look it up. I forget. Where it was yet, a, you know, another adventure of this Hercules. I like this Hercules. I mean, I, you know, the more I think about it, the more I agree with you. A, a mercenary Hercules is not my ideal Hercules because it's less heroic, but he had to sell his sword to survive. He he needed money. So It, it was a viable occupation back yeah, then. Yeah, exactly. So there's nothing inherently wrong with it. Yeah, and I really think... For me, mercenary, just time and again, it feels like a modern word. And I wonder what the occupation and the word in that time would have been. Excellent question, because there's an aspect of the term mercenary that is somewhat derogatory. You're doing it primarily or just for the money. Yeah. Whereas baker, butcher... Candlestick making, yeah. you know, whatever, doesn't have that sense of, well, they're doing it for pay. It's like, well, of course they are. It's a job. Yeah. Well, and in the Dwayne Johnson movie, you know, when he got there and he saw, I mean, they were brought in, quote, as mercenaries. So when I heard that, I'm like, okay, so these five people are then going to go out, fight the bad guys, end of movie. And they get there and they start training the local people. They were brought in more as military consultants. Yeah, which going back to my, I wonder what, I wonder if mercenary is really the best term because of things like that. And if Uh, the derogatory meaning I tend to associate with mercenary really I should be associating with what he was doing. The mercenary term fits the introduction to the characters we get. Yeah. With that first action sequence where they're essentially rescuing the, the nephew. And I loved that sequence. But they had been hired to go get rid of these pirates or whatever they were. Yes. You know, and it was a great sequence. It was a little too uh, on the nose, by the money, whatever, where we've gotten the nephew. He's explaining he's introducing Hercules. Hercules gets his grand entrance. Yes. He, he, he takes out a couple of people. And then his teammates start showing up one by one, and he's basically naming them off. 
as they're doing their signature. Okay, she's got the arrow, he's got the knives, he does this, he's got the axes. Well, it it's almost, it was their introductory roll call. It was almost like if it was a modern day piece, he would have been calling into the com piece. Now, so and so, use your this to get that guy type thing. It was almost like he was telling himself. If I know this person's going to do this, that, the other, because we work together this smoothly. If it were a modern-day military, you know, super soldier kind of a movie, it would have been the nephew back at the central thing doing the comms, with everybody reporting. Yes. You know, Hercules takes a few out, Hercules reporting in. Atakalus takes a few out, Atakalus reporting, you know, kind of that sort of a... Mm. And it's it's very methodical, formulaic is not the right word, it's... It's necessary storytelling style and structure mm -hmm. because we need to get the names of these characters as we're getting introduced to them to understand who they are, how they fit together. Well, and it was good introduction of basically this is good guy person on my team who I can rely on. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. Of course, I don't think you appreciate during our viewing that at about the maybe three minute mark when the nephew was outlining the and then hercules was doing his 12 labors and he went up against the hydra and they have him go into the water and i think he slashes the sword once and he goes under the water and we don't see another bubble to which i say end of movie yeah there are a couple of points in some of these films where it would just take one little thing to go slightly different and they could just roll the end credits <laughs> and i would love love to see some movie actually get into the theaters where they essentially do that. Oh, yeah. they, they, they do that end of movie, start of the sequel movie, where it's now here's the true Robin Hood or, you know, whatever yeah, really. it would be. Um, yeah, well, it was just so funny because I know it, it, it was accidental and, you know, they wanted to create some drama, but it was just the way they paced it out. For a moment there, it was like, yep, this all goes horribly wrong and the movie's over. Well, there's an aspect of all of this with books, uh, TV shows, movies, comic books, where as a culture, we are incredibly well-trained audience members. Mm -hmm. You know, when I see the name call, roll call kind of a thing, I expect it, I'm used to it. It's like that shot in a primetime TV show or movie where everybody just suddenly forms up in, in this V formation as they walk down the hallway. Yes, yes. Cue the dramatic m music or, or theme thing. You know, we got that in Guardians of the Galaxy. We get that you know, all the time. Uh, going to a Hercules reference with Kevin Sorbo in his other show, um, uh, uh, Andromeda. Andromeda, thank you. They had this one shot. It was essentially a Star Trek show where they would have everybody lined up on the bridge for that dramatic shot of them all facing forward. So they go off into the unknown. Mm -hmm. now, over the, the, the series lasted five seasons. They, they changed the look of one character and the, the lineup of characters a few times. So periodically, they would have to basically have this scene where it, 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 they line up that way. You get the shot. Okay, now we can use that in the opening credits next season yeah. or later this season or whatever. It's, it's, a, it's the money shot. It's the storytelling structure cliche aspect you know where you've got to have it i mean well there are some things that are simply elements to good storytelling and if they aren't there quite frankly they're lacking you miss them and you say hey why didn't i get it but by the same token when they're there 
you tend to notice. It's not like you can slip it in unnoticed. Both of these Hercules films opened on an action sequence, mm-hmm. and then, okay, let's let's get this stuff going. Both of these had the story of his birth. Legend of Hercules opens with the action sequence with the father, goes to the birth, and then 20 years later, okay, expect that. Mm -hmm. You know, with Hercules, uh, with Dwayne Johnson, they had basically the opening gambit with rescuing the nephew, getting rid of the pirates, which segues or gives the excuse of the framing sequence for the tell the backstories, the 12 uh, uh, labors and such. And then you, it's like, okay, now we're at a dinner thing. Let's, you know, oh, we've gotten paid. Let's move forward kind of a deal. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and in the Kellen Lutz one, uh, he Hercules is basically uh, taking the beautiful princess out on a date. You know, let's show her the pretty waterfalls. And, oh, I'm going to show off for the beautiful girl and show her how high I can climb up before I do a backwards dive into the water. And stay below the water really long, holding my breath, and scare the beautiful girl, because that's what all charming men do. And she gets into the water and swims out to find him, because, of course, she's terrified he's died trying to show off for her. And then he pops up and, oh, what's wrong? Now, let's let's stop and think about this for a moment. Here is Hercules. He hasn't gone by that name. He's no. by his, whatever his princely name is. He's climbing up the rock face on this huge, next to this huge waterfall. Yes. She's afraid, oh, he's going to fall. And I'm like, okay, he's climbing up this thing for the sole purpose of jumping off it into the water below. Mm-hmm. Have you not figured this out? And you're afraid he's, he's going, going to, to fall. fall. Mm-hmm. That's his end goal. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. to your point, this all set up later. And not much later. No, like, only a few minutes later. Yeah. She's gotten... Um, pulled n- off a horse. Pulled off a horse. River. Knocked into the river. Going downstream. So he's got to essentially dive in, go save her, all this kind of stuff. And we know he's got the capability and the skill set. We've already seen it. And she happens to be doing a decent job of swimming with the current, which we happen to know she can swim because we've seen her seen her swim out. And so it, it was believable foreshadowing. But there's an aspect of foreshadowing and telegraphing that as we become better trained audience members is harder and harder for the writers to pull off. Yes. And that one, they didn't, it didn't telegraph to me. I didn't see that and go, okay, he's going to jump into water and save her life. But one that did telegraph in the, the Dwayne Johnson film was when the general gets killed near the end. You know, like, oh, it was the nephew. And it's like, well, yeah, because they had set up the nephew was training in secret. The general gave him a hard time for that. Don't cut yourself with the blade. You don't kind of a, ah, this foolish boy kind of a thing. Wait a sec. It telegraphed to me. Are you positive you had the same guess? Because you asked me why no, I, I said that. No, I didn't think it was. I thought it was somebody else. Okay. I thought it was the archer. Okay. Just check it. Um, and what's funny is I'd read the comic. Granted, it was six years ago. Mm-hmm. But... Different people are going to pick up on different yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. But I would even go so far as to say, just in the intervening time from when the Hercules comic was written mm-hmm. and produced in 2008, and this movie coming out in 2014, audience members in general, some more than others, 
have become better trained, know what to expect, and certain things that may have been new and novel in the comic have since had time to be done. Yes. Either in film, comics, or whatever. Well, when it came to that moment where the general kind of takes one step too far and you're like, okay, time for the general to die. And then you see that look on his face of, oh, I just got it in the back. And that's when I piped up with gotta be the nephew. Well, it also mirrored a scene in that opening sequence where one of the guys, the the pirates, comes back and then the lead guy's, oh, yeah, you took care of him. And then he kind of falls forward with Hercules, somehow having hidden behind him. Yeah, that was pretty impressive. And I'm like, I... I I wanted to know how the rock hides behind... I'm exaggerating when I say a 5 foot 215 pound man. I was going to say, if this other actor had a nickname compared to The Rock, it would be The Twig. (laughs) Yes. I mean, he wasn't scrawny or anything, but The Rock is a pretty beefy guy. Yeah. And admittedly, it was a nighttime scene. It was, you know, obviously dark, but it also looked like they might have had a little bit of a smoke machine going because there were campfires, Oh, definitely. They had a smoke machine. That was his whole entrance. Yeah. So, But that movie played fast and loose with a number of things, and not in a way that, I mean, it's a way you could definitely nitpick, but in a way that I think was a core part of the DNA of the, the property, where, I mean, they're, they're storytellers. They're theatrical. Yes. This is the invincible no. flesh or, or hide of a tiger or lion. I forget yeah. What the lion the- was. Well, they, no, it was the uh, the boar that made the armor. If no, I was thinking the actual... Yeah, the Nemean lion was in both movies. Yes, but in, in the Dwayne Johnson one, the hide was, was invulnerable, couldn't be pierced and whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And then later, he gets a little taken to task for that of, you know, you got hurt through your invincible, unbreakable armor kind of a thing, you know? And there's an aspect of, yeah, we're we're telling stories. Yeah. You know, again, for the... the 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 edge it gives that team. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was fun. Well, there were a few things that happened, both uh, I want to say plot wise, but also just kind of scene wise, if you will, in both. Like Hercules is chained up. He's in different ways. He's got to break the chain and and get loose and whatever. Yeah, and in both cases, when he pulls loose the concrete or whatever's on the ends he uses as a weapon i think that goes back to probably some of those earlier films from the 50s or whatever even there's a certain iconic you know you can't break the chains but you can break what's at the other end of it pull down the wall kind of a thing get the pillars knocked down Mm -hmm. it's it's also very cinematic yeah i felt in the legend of hercules movie um with lutz there was an aspect there where it was a little computer gamey. There were times that were, I when I talked to you into watching it, I referred to it as a modern day, old fashioned sand and sandals movie. To be clear, when I say computer gamey, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just something that you couldn't possibly have done that effect in like a Ray Harryhausen stop motion kind of yeah. era of film. It's yeah. just, you, you would, it would be physically impossible almost no matter how you cheat the thing. Well, and and that was why when I referred to it, you know, as modern day, they really used what felt like the best of the effects they could get their hands on from today. But they really captured so much of the spirit I remember 
from the 50s and the 60s sand mm -hmm. and sandals movies that that's why i loved watching those hercules movies on saturday afternoons when we were kids it's interesting because i felt more the sand and sandals vibe in the legend of hercules than in hercules although it was definitely there it felt more modern hollywood mm -hmm. than kind of classic hollywood if you will well, the one with Kellen Lotz had the gladiatorial combat. It had brother against brother, but on the flip side, it had brother warriors who had each other's back no matter what. Well, it, it, it had an old school story. Yeah, it had some very classic themes to it. Whereas Hercules with, Kev with um, Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson, John I was almost going to say Kevin Sorbo, totally different one, that was a TV show. But the one with Dwayne Johnson, he has PTSD. Mm -hmm. He is a mercenary. There is a more modern sensibility to the story. Yes. And I think to a certain degree that's that, that plays very well. Mm -hmm. um, well, and going back to the, uh, the ensemble, he's brought around him. Uh, Titus, I believe, is the one who never speaks, mm -hmm. who sleeps out by the chariots, who has nightmares every night of his childhood that where they found him, the sole survivor, in a town that had been destroyed. And, you know, since we're doing spoiler-filled, sorry, folks, he doesn't make it out of the film. Um, but he says one word in the film, mm -hmm. and it may be one of the most poignant mo moments of the film because of the word he chooses to speak. Well, what's interesting is, I'm willing to bet, again, my memory's fuzzy, that that was in the comic that way. The comic was a five-issue limited series, so it came out over the course of around, four, you know, the four months in between those five issues. So they may have well set up in that first issue, he doesn't talk. So by the time four months later I get to that point where he does, it doesn't really have the same resonance mm. as here I was told this about an hour and a half ago max because yeah. it's a 100-minute movie, 98-minute movie, whatever. Um, and I've been with the character the entire time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, So it has a lot more resonance. Well, and we've watched this actor really take it through a variety of, I want to say, facial expressions and emotions mm -hmm. and just the that look of frustration and disappointment when the uh, shield wall doesn't hold and that boyish delight and smile when it does hold yeah. at the end of training and stuff. And he really was so expressive without speaking that when he does speak, it's almost a, he has been communicating throughout the film, but in that one moment, you realize there was only one thing he ever wanted to say, only one person he ever yeah. wanted to talk to. Well, and that also goes when there's the turning point in the movie and Hercules decides he's the hero, not the mercenary. Yeah. Where it has to get pointed out to him, the reason these other people are around is not because they feel a debt to him or they owe him. There's a family, there's a sense of camaraderie there. Mm -hmm. You know, that that whole team aspect, just it plays beautifully. And mm -hmm. it's one of the key differences between these films is while he had, for lack of a better term, the sidekick in Legend of Hercules, it was Hercules the hero. Yes. The solo guy. Mm -hmm. Here, it was Hercules... The leader of Team Hercules, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
The Dwayne Johnson movie was definitely an ensemble piece, and I can't imagine it not being the six characters. Well, again, they've done another uh, miniseries after this, provided this does well enough. and I, I really haven't paid attention to how it did in the theaters or how it's doing on DVD. Would you be interested in them doing that follow-up miniseries as another movie with this cast? Yes. I mean, I I think certainly Dwayne Johnson does a great Hercules. Um, the the guy who was the the prophet or whatever mm. was was great. He was, and that was a character that didn't really have any kind of real resonance with me in the comic, but was so well executed in the film. Mm-hmm. Particularly when he doesn't have his moment at the end. Yes. He's foretold his own death. We see the whole thing coming. He's got it. Yes, it's it's exactly how we foretold. He's ready for it, and it gets snatched away from him. Well, and there was a moment out on the battlefield where we're kind of right there with him, and I don't get me wrong, I loved how they shot it, and I'm all for it, but there's a part of me that kind of wonders what that same scene would have been like from about a 100 feet back. Because we're right there with him as all these flaming arrows are being mm. shot. And he's standing there. Everybody else is hiding behind their shields going, oh my gosh. He's just there waiting with his arms spread, waiting to, to just get shot. Yep. Go out in that blaze of glory. He, he's he got his whole body spread wide, eyes closed, going, just smile on his face almost. If it's my time, it's my time sort of attitude. Yeah. I'm ready. Take me now. And when he's pretty sure he's heard the last arrow land, he just kind of cracks his eye open like, is that it? Oh, hey, well, you know, I made it. Okay. Beautiful scene. That whole raining of arrows Mm. is getting almost a little, I don't want to say cliche. It's a classic shot. Well, the raining of arrows and the raining of flaming arrows. But we've seen it a number of Mm -hmm. times. Again, it's a cinematic shot it's a a great moment it's a great part of a big battle like that Mm -hmm. we see it often because it works and they did it well and you know flipping back to the kellen lutz film one of the things that frequently frustrates me in an action film is when they switch to slow motion during the fight scenes it's interesting because we didn't get any of that that I recall in the Dwayne Johnson one. Not at all. We got tons of that back in 300. Yes. And also in the uh, the sequel, prequel to 300. And you're right, in the Kevin Lutz Legend of Hercules, there are a number of places where we don't get the whole thing drawn out in slow motion like we do in 300, but there are a couple of places where they just slow it down just for a second. Just to get that that dramatic shot of oh this is where he's you know he's jumping forward swinging the axe under you know whatever it is the dramatic shot okay let's continue just enough to emphasize in case you missed it he's about to do the most amazing flip you've ever seen or in case you missed it he's about to do the equivalent of somersaulting over this guy's back on a balance beam it's almost this is too cool that if we do it at, at full speed you'll miss it yeah. And it's actually something that reminded me of, I think it was when we watched the season two specials from Arrow, mm. where they were doing, okay, here's how he's going to jump from one building mm-hmm. to the next. We're going to pause it here because it looks like this comic book cover it gets the look or whatever. Those would have been the the moments to just pause just for a moment mm-hmm. and almost have that snapshot of, okay, got it. Yeah. You know, because that was one of the things that I felt in The Legend of Hercules worked really well. 
Yeah, they really just, they didn't linger too long. They didn't have me going, oh, come on, but, all but, right. But linger's the right word. They have the action. It lingers on just long enough for us to appreciate it and move forward. But that's the thing. It was just long enough. It was so well balanced that I never wanted to say, I never wanted to smack somebody upside the head and say, okay, you done it all right. I just wanted to say thank you. Well, with 300, I think if you got rid of the slow-mo, you'd cut about 20 minutes out of the movie. Whereas with this, if you got rid of the slow-mo with Legend of Hercules, eh, maybe a minute. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. It was it was well used. It was uh used in moderation. It enhanced mm -hmm. the sequences. I don't like action sequences that are so fast. I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. Or so slow it's like, yes, I get it. Will he ever connect with that punch? Oh, there he goes. Will that tooth ever fly out? There it goes. Okay. And here comes the next punch. You know, where it slows down too much. Well, and the Kellen Lutz film, for all that I would say that it was violent, it was not gory or really bloody for that matter. I would say that about both of these films. I've got a fairly low threshold for uh, for gore. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because people get that confused with a low threshold for violence mm -hmm. or action or, or blood. And to me, the, the scale I tend to use between uh, action and violence, Jackie Chan movies have action. Mm -hmm. He's very kinetic. He's moving around. He's doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Bruce Lee films tend to be a bit more violent. You hear, mm -hmm. you know, the sound of bones mm -hmm. breaking or whatever. It's like that scene in uh, Unbreakable where uh, Samuel Jackson's character is falling off of the merry-go-round or whatever it was, and you just hear all the bones snapping. It's like, I hate that. Yeah, yeah. You know? And with these, you've gotten the action. You can tell people are getting seriously cut out or whatever. But unlike in 300, where you see the sword slashing through all the blood spraying in slow mm -hmm. motion, which to me just has a ketchup commercial written all over it. You know, kids see that kind of a movie. Yeah. They go out with, a, you know, a couple of bottles of ketchup and the mother's like, oh, geez, ne never again. Yeah. They'll go yell at the dad or whatever. Um, these films, you didn't get the, the, the buckets and buckets of blood. Well, in the Kellen Lutz film, someone was beheaded, and I felt no need to cover my eyes or glance away for even a second. Yeah, I, I never felt the urge to look away in, in either of the films. Yeah, which, and I mean, I I look away constantly during Grey's Anatomy. Or another example is um, Forever. Yes. The new show uh, with the, the medical yeah. examiner who's a couple hundred years old. There are a couple of times it's like, did you need to open up on an autopsy? Yeah, exactly. Block my eyes. That's, I don't want to see that. Yeah. But the the fact that I could watch major battle sequences and never need or f desire to cover my eyes really impressed me. Yeah. These were, were good action films. Both had good fight choreography, although I would have to say Legend of Hercules May have had the edge up on that. There were a couple of times. Oh, the Kellen Lutz, the gladiator scenes. Yeah. I where loved one guy was throwing the other guy a weapon and mm -hmm. stuff like that. It was well choreographed, well executed. Mm -hmm. um, and again, there were a couple of times where the slow motion's like, oh, he's doing that. He's throwing that. He's getting, he's going to grab the spear. He's, oh, I see where he's going. Yeah. It gave me the time to digest the action. Yeah, there was one where it was a, okay, he's got a sword in his hand, he's using the sword to kill the person, but he can't get the sword out 
But, oh, I see. By leaving the sword in, it actually frees his hand to get the spear from mm-hmm. the other guy. And wow. And if they hadn't done it with that slower motion, I'd have missed it. It was one where they had smart enough choreography that they made the right choice to slow the thing down just enough for me to follow it. Mm-hmm. And allow me to appreciate it. Yeah. The Hercules film with Dwayne Johnson, I don't think had that level of hand-to-hand fight choreography necessarily. No, because it was a mass battle scene. But that's what it had. It had the mass battle. It was more of a Braveheart mass battle. A Braveheart 300. Yeah. Something where it's like, okay, we've gotten the overhead shot. We can see the whole army formation. Oh, they're, they're getting the flanks out. They're moving forward. They're getting hit by the arrows. Oh, they're moving, you know. Yeah. We could see... We had the, truly, the hundreds of people on the battlefield as opposed to the four people in gladiatorial combat or seven people in gladiatorial combat. Or even like 300 where you seem to get more of the hands-on, one-on-one fighting within the whole thing and just moving around. I felt I got the big picture of the battle with the Dwayne Johnson film. And having seen them train up, understanding the techniques they were going to use, it worked really well. Yeah. So, for me, both of these are are great films, different versions of of the legends of Hercules and the mythology of Hercules, and um, I think the the legend of Hercules, frankly, didn't get its due when it came out in theaters. I think it's a better film than he got credit for. I agree. I think the Hercules film, based on the Radical comic, had a really strong cast, really strong action, Um, also a very good film. Um, I think the legend of Hercules used the 3D effect better. Yeah. I, I felt it, it was kind of minimal in the Dwayne Johnson one, but I was I okay agree. with that. I agree. You know, the uh, the Legend of Hercules with Kellen Lutz had quite a bit of pollen in a few scenes. There were a few places where there was the gratuitous 3D and the pollen and the, the stuff in the air. Annoying. Yeah, but in general, I really liked it in that one. Uh, only once or twice did I think, okay, I'm going to duck from the arrow. Thank you. But that film felt more dimensional, it like it did. had depth visually yeah whereas i felt while there was a little 3d effect at times in the dwayne johnson one it felt like i was watching a 2d movie for the most part yeah with the callum lutz one i was more aware of almost feeling like i was looking over people's shoulders like i was sitting in the crowd you were in the action yeah yeah i i I agree with that uh again both films i think are well worth uh watching very enjoyable Mm-hmm. Again, the uh, Dwayne Johnson one based on the Radical comic mm-hmm. from 2008. I'll have links to that in the show notes. I'm hoping it does well enough they'll consider doing another uh, on the, 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 the uh, follow-up miniseries. And I hope a Radical can get some of their other stuff through the production pipeline. Um, you know, Caliber in particular, the, the Western based on the uh, King Arthur stuff, I'd really love to see. I thought it was a, a great miniseries. Well, and the characters that they put into this Hercules film that they surrounded Hercules with on that team were really well thought out, well developed characters. And if that's the quality of characters that they create and put into their works, I think they've got awesome material. They do. It's interesting because in the 2008, 2009, 2010 timeframe, Radical was very active did a number of things, and then they just kind of, over the, the subsequent years, uh, have faded away a little from the comic side of things. I don't know if they're even going to come back to it or not, but they're finally getting the movie stuff out, and it may just be that they have only so many people, and they're focusing on taking the stuff to the, the next medium, which was 
very much always their end goal. I don't think they ever really made two, you know, two ways about it. But it was never, we're telling a comic just so we can get the property launched. They told really good comics. And I think they followed through on that, seeing it to, to fruition as a movie. Well, it was a wonderful movie. So hopefully people who watch the movie will check out the trade paperback, get some enjoyment out of that, see some of the other stuff from Radical, and it'll it'll help everything. They'll do more movies, they'll do more comics, it's all good. I No, I highly recommend both movies, and I think if people were going to do a double feature like we did, that the order in which we watched them, starting with the Kellen Lutz one. Yes. Was, the, the fact that was his origin, and the other one was almost his retirement. Yeah. We got lucky on that. That was just dumb luck. Yeah. They, they complement each other surprisingly well, given how different their versions of Hercules can be. Yeah. Anything else? Or does that pretty much do it? That does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.